Father, we do uh, ask once again that you would just bless this time. Lord, as we get into your word, I pray, God, that you would touch our hearts. That we wouldn't just go through a story and even just have some intellectual understanding, but God, this would be a time where we fellowship with you, where we have that great understanding of what took place when you rose from the grave. And God, that those who don't know you would be touched this morning, that today would be that day where they're drawn into your presence, where they want to have that relationship with you to come to that foot of the cross and be forgiven. So I pray that you would bless this time God, that you would do a great, great work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're here celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. I know for some of us, we're excited. It's a great thing. It's a joyous thing. I know for some of us, I know some of you were brought here probably against your will. (laughs) And you're here. And it's a good thing. We will make it as painless as possible, and you're going to be okay. You're going to endure. It's going to be all right. I remember years ago going to a, a, a Easter service, a resurrection service, and being absolutely miserable. So I'm not going to let you be miserable. We'll work on that. But hey, if you're here, thank God. And as we get into this, I want us to remember we're not just celebrating some miracle. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and has given us eternal life. That's what it's all about. And so as we think about that, Jesus came. I want to do a little bit of catch up as we get into Matthew. Jesus was with his disciples three and a half years. He died on the cross, and that ruined everything for them. You've got to remember, these guys were with him, and all they could think about was he's going to bring in and usher in uh, the kingdom and get rid of Rome. And it didn't happen. All their hopes and dreams are dashed. All of their expectations are gone. Everything has just been wiped out in a moment of time. And they're in despair. And they're trying to figure things out. And if you know the story, the 11, they all went and hid someplace. And they're kind of hanging out. The ladies... Hey, they were the last ones at the cross, and as we're gonna see this morning, they're the first ones at the tomb, and, but here's the thing, their doctrine was messed up. And I always find it fascinating, because sometimes, if, especially if you're someone like me, a teacher, when people get doctrine wrong, you get upset with them, and you wanna straighten them out. These ladies had horrible doctrine, but they had tremendous devotion and they love the Lord, and we're gonna see how that plays in this situation. So, picking it up in verse one, it says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So, listen, this is after, after Saturday, they're coming there on Sunday. I know a lot of people get mixed up. We've gotten phone calls. Uh, how come it says the first day of the week when the first day of the week is Monday? That's only on our calendars. The first day of the week is Sunday. We need to know that. Our calendars start with Monday because that's usually a work day. But it's the first day of the week, so they're there bright and early on Sunday. Those ladies, imagine what they went through that night. They watched him be put in the tomb. They wanted to be there. Passover came, Sabbath came, they couldn't do it. They're going home. Do you think they slept that night? I don't think so. 
I think they tossed, they turned, they're trying to figure things out. And then what I find fascinating, Matthew leaves some stuff out, and then you go home and read the Gospels after, after church today. Mark tells us when they get up to go, they start having a conversation, and as they're going, they go, who's gonna roll the stone away? It's fat, you know, hey, we get involved in things sometimes, and if you're like me, you start going, and then you start trying to figure out how you're gonna do it, right? And they get there, and they're going, how are we gonna get the stone moved? They, they're not gonna move that stone. And so they're trying to process that. They're walking, they're going, they're having their conversation. The 11 are kind of hit out someplace, freaking out a little bit and, and in that panic mode. And then we have, listen, as they come to the tomb, it tells us, verse two, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Have you noticed when Jesus died, there was a great earthquake? And when he rose, there was a great earthquake? Don't you think somebody should have known something was going on? You know, I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm just a little suspicious. You know, a couple of earthquakes, like boom, boom, back to back. You know, maybe if you're in California, it's okay. But in, the, you know, in, in Jerusalem, not so much. And so you have an earthquake. A couple days later, you have another earthquake. You might go, huh, something must be happening. So listen, there's a great earthquake, it says. And it says, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. <coughs> I just love thinking of that scene. I kind of think of it in my imagination. The stone didn't just go plop. The stone went boink, right? Just kind of bounced over, and the angel just plopped down. And I'd see him sitting there with his, you know, legs crossed, just like, hi. <laughs> he just shows up. Now, the stone was moved not for Jesus to get out. Jesus was already gone. The stone was moved for them to get in. And we need to understand that. It got, the stone was moved so they could see what was going on. So the angel's sitting there, and then it tells us, listen, then it tells us his countenance was like lightning and, and his clothing was like as white as snow. And the guard shook with fear of him and became like dead men. That's Bible term for they passed out, right? I mean, it freaked them out. So we have to know something definitely supernatural is going on. It's not just some natural, something definitely supernatural. When you have hardened soldiers, these were, these were Roman soldiers who just, poof, something happened. So I'm thinking, what did the ladies think when they walked up on that scene? There's an angel sitting on a stone, stones moved, and these guys are poof, on the ground. And I gotta think, what did they think when they were going to the tomb how they were gonna get by the soldiers. Have you ever processed all, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here that we kind of read and assume and take for granted, but hey, they, they had to know they were there, and now they're passed out, they might be thinking, dodge that bullet, didn't we? We don't have to deal with those guys. And then that angel's sitting there, and I imagine obviously caught their attention, and I think they're just gazing at this angel, and they can't believe what's happening. The stone's moved, he's sitting there, the soldiers are passed out. What do you think? What's happening? They haven't read the rest of this. What did they go there looking for? A body, a dead man. That was their expectation. We're gonna go and we're gonna take care of this one we love. And now they're there and everything just, you talk about 
changing from the, you know, on the cross, everything changed. Now everything just changed radically. And they still don't know the tomb's empty. They just know what they're seeing and what they're looking at. And then it tells us the angel, listen, it says, but in, in verse five, but the angel answered and said to them, or said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I know what you're looking for. And I love the fact that Matthew explicitly said that he was crucified. Because we can never forget when he went to the cross, he went to the cross to take the punishment for our sin, for your sin, for my sin. That's why he went to the cross. And he paid that price. He suffered the wrath of God that I deserve, that you deserve. And then he was put in the tomb. And because he's raised again on the third day is proof that 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 payment was received in full and was accepted on our behalf. That's why the resurrection is so important. And so listen, Matthew makes sure they understand. Listen, you, you came and you looked for him who was crucified. It's not a myth. And it's amazing. Most people believe Jesus died on the cross. Well, some, we'll talk about some theories in a minute. But the majority of the people aren't so much into the resurrection. This day has changed over the years. Most people celebrate Easter. I don't care if you call it Easter, but we've turned it into a multi-billion dollar celebration of candy rather than the resurrection of Jesus. $20.8 billion is going to be spent on Easter this year. $20.8 billion, that's a lot of money. 85% of that is on candy. Man, that is a lot of candy. I read a statistic that 37% of Americans intend to go to church today. That's sad. 37%? And they spend $20.8 billion on candy? And 37% are intentionally making it a, 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 a thing to go to church? He died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. And here's these ladies, listen, they're at that tomb, and they say, we know who you're looking for. And then, I love this, you're looking for him who was crucified, and then here's what they say. Verse six, he's not here, woo! Right? Don't you know those angels were excited about it? Listen, I don't think they went, he's not here. I think they said, he's not here. You guys gotta understand him. And what's the next one? He has risen, right? Hey, nobody has risen from the dead. People have been resurrected, or I'm sorry, they've been resuscitated, but no one's been resurrected to never die again. This is a first and a once and a only. Now we will be resurrected at the end, and that's why we believe in the resurrection, that's our hope. But listen, man, he has risen, he's not here. He has risen. And, and listen, as he, has, as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. So here, finally they get in the tomb, right? Come and look, he's not here. Can you imagine their amazement? It's for real. He's really not there. So they're looking at the place. I think they're absorbing. They're taking it in. <clears throat> and then the angel says to them in verse 7, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Now, they should have known that. 
I've read Matthew. In Matthew 16, in Matthew 17, in Matthew 20, and in Matthew 27, Jesus told them he was going to rise again on the third day. That many times, four different occasions, he said, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna raise again on the third day, and what did they believe? That he was dead. And so he says, go tell him, go tell. He says, he, he's risen just like he said. He said he was gonna rise, he rose. And then, listen, and so he's not here, he's risen, he said he was gonna rise, and then go quickly in verse seven and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and indeed is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So go tell the boys. Now, I'm a little bit fascinated as to why women. At his birth, who announced the birth of Jesus? Shepherds. They were kind of unsavory characters. You would think if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is being born, the Savior of the world, you might have like the religious hierarchy announce it, right? Or kings or somebody make a big thing, a big platitude. But when he came, they were shepherds. When he rose from the dead, who announced it? A couple of ladies. If you know anything about that culture, ladies' testimony didn't mean anything. As a matter of fact, read, read for homework, read Matthew, or Matthew, read 1 Corinthians 15. When Paul lists all of the appearances of Jesus, he never lists the ladies, he only lists the men. But who does he go to first, the ladies, why? Why, and there's a lot of speculation. You know, some people, they come up with all kinds of stuff. I don't wanna get into too many of it. You know, some of it goes because they're the weaker ones, and I'm thinking that's kind of tough to prove right now. <laughs> so they get into all kinds of stuff. I think there's only one reason why he appeared to the ladies first, because they were there. <laughs> I'm not a brilliant guy, right? I'm not, I'm not like real deep. They were there. You know what that tells me? That tells me I wanna hang out close to the body of Jesus. I wanna be there. Because if you're there, you're going to experience those things. And when I'm talking about the body of Jesus, I'm talking about the body of Jesus. And that's where I wanna be. And that's where they're at. And he appears to them, and then now they're gonna go tell the news. In verse eight it says, so they, they, they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to bring the, uh, his disciples uh, the word. So they're taken off, and, and you can read the other gospels. There's some, there's some other things that are happening at this same time. Mary kind of separates, has that special encounter with Jesus on her own, then she's back with the other Mary, and the other Mary, and the other Mary, and the other Mary, and, and they're kind of hanging out. And then, and then you have Peter and John kind of going and doing their thing. So a lot of stuff is happening, but Matthew kind of trims it all down and lets us know. So they're running and they're going in, and as the two of them were going, in verse nine, it says they went to tell his disciples, and behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. Don't you love that? Listen, Jesus didn't try and fix their doctrine. Their doctrine was wrong, but what does he say? Rejoice, be glad, go for it. I'm risen, right? Here I am. And he beats them along the way. He doesn't chastise them. He doesn't, he doesn't yell at them. He doesn't make them feel bad. What does he do? He's encouraging them. That's my God. My God is a God of encouragement. My God is a God who comes and 
pushes forward and not holds you back. So listen, he says, rejoice. So they came and they held him by the feet and they worshiped him. If Jesus isn't God, he shouldn't be worshiped. If Jesus is God, he can be worshiped. He was worshiped. He didn't stop the worship. He didn't tell them, don't do it, I'm not God. He received the worship, which makes him God. So listen, as, as this is going on, now I know some people get confused because when Mary grabbed him, Jesus says, don't, don't grab me for I have not ascended to the Father. And people go, well, what happened here? And again, a bunch of speculate. The difference between this and Mary, when Mary grabbed him, Mary put a death grip on him, like I'm never gonna let you go. And he's going, chill a little bit, lighten up. I still have to go, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I still have to go to the Father. And so kind of let go of me, right? But here, they're not, they don't have that death grip. They're just worshiping him. So it wasn't that you couldn't touch him before he went to heaven. It's you just don't grab onto him and not let him go. So listen, they worship him, and then it tells us, listen, Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. I kind of like that, that he has to do that. And then he says this, go and tell those losers to go into Galilee, and there they will. Because that's how we feel sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, how could those guys do that? You know how they could do it? They're just like us. They're no different. But what does Jesus call them? I mean, this is pretty phenomenal. He doesn't even say, go tell my disciples. What does he say? Go tell my brethren. My brethren. There's that bonding, that love, that forgiveness, that joy. I love, this is one of my, my favorite parts of, of all of the appearance things when he says, go tell my brethren. And they're hiding away, they're freaking out, they're afraid, but they're still his. That should give us encouragement when we're feeling distant. When we get to the place where we're not feeling like we're really connected with him, we're his, and he's not gonna let us go. He's not gonna give up on us. I am so glad that I have a God that has not given up on me. And so he says, go tell the brethren, and he says, listen, go tell the brethren to go into Galilee, and there they will see me. By the way, he had told them that back in chapter 27, that he was gonna be in Galilee. And so now he kind of has to repeat all that. Then you have this, this kind of blank time where, again, a lot of stuff is going on. He appears to the 11. You know, a lot of stuff is happening. But Matthew leaves all that out, and you got to wonder, why does Matthew, Matthew kind of shorten all of that? And I think Matthew's, Matthew's whole point is Jesus is king, and he's letting us know that. So he kind of goes to, listen, now Matthew's going to shift the, the scene. You know how in a movie you change cameras? and you're going to the new scene, and we're gonna go look at what was happening with the hierarchy, the big boys, the religious people, the people who should have known what was gonna happen, and listen to what happens. Listen, in verse 11, it says, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all things that had happened. So you have the ladies running in in kind of triumph, right? And glory, woo-hoo, he's risen. You have these guys kind of going in with their tails between their legs thinking we're in serious trouble. We lost Jesus. I mean, they are. <coughs> so they go to the chief priests, and did you pick up on what was said there? They told them all things. What does that include? 
all means all. Don't you know that those soldiers were saying, we were doing what we were supposed to do? We were standing guard, and then all of a sudden, this stone bounced out of its place and bounced over here, and this, this being sat on it, and poof, we were out. Isn't that all the things that happened? And then when we came to, there's some ladies hanging out, and Jesus is gone. So they're going to explain this to the chief priests. Here's what happened. We don't know what's going on. Oh, by the way, as a side note, most of us know that the resurrection, again, is highly debated, which is, to me, a little bit foolish. We have plenty of evidence for it. And yet people want to argue about it and talk about it. Do you know who believed in the resurrection more than anybody else at this time? The Pharisees. Why? I read chapter 27. In chapter 27, they posted the guards there. Why did they post the guards there? Because they were afraid that his disciples would come and steal the body and say that the resurrection happened. They believed that Jesus was going to disappear, and they were doing everything in their power to keep that from happening. It's kind of odd, right? The ones who don't want it to happen the most believed it, and the ones who wanted it to happen the most don't believe it, kind of like us. But listen, you have this whole thing going on, and then you have these debates, and you have everybody wanting to say, did it really happen? One of my favorite places in Israel, we were just there, is the garden tomb. It's just an empty tomb. I'm not worshiping the tomb. I'm worshiping the fact that the tomb is empty. And he's not there. And I love the fact that we don't know where Jesus was buried. It doesn't matter. You drive around Jerusalem and there's this Absalom's tomb and this guy's tomb and that guy's tomb. But you don't have the tomb of Jesus. Why? Because he's not there. He's alive. And so he, we worship a risen Lord. And people want to argue. I, I love this quote. I, I, try, I think I read it every year. It's Simon Greenleaf. He's, he's an old dead guy. But he was, a professor, he was a professor of law at Harvard. And listen to what he says, because I think this holds a lot that we need to get a hold of. All that Christianity asks of men is that they would be consistent with themselves and that they would treat its evidence as they treat the evidence of other things and that they would try and judge its actors and witnesses as they deal with their fellow men when testifying to human affairs and actions in human tribunals. The result will be an undoubting conviction of the integrity, ability, and truth of those evidences. If you look at it and you're fair and you're honest, you can come to no other conclusion than he rose from the dead. Now let's look at a theory. There's lots of theories, but let's look at the Pharisee theory. Listen to what happened. The soldiers came to them, told them everything. Verse 12, when they had assembled with the elders, they consulted together and they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. If that's not the dumbest, stupidest plan you could ever come up with. I mean, every time I read this, I think, really? Number one, if a Roman soldier slept on duty, that was a death penalty. They're not gonna do that. That's, that's bad enough, but here's the one that gets me. If you're asleep, how do you know who took him? <laughs> you're asleep, you don't know who took him. 
And I think, what a dumb, dumb thing. But these guys, I like to say it this way, these guys, for lying, they all got new Beamers and went home. (laughs) And they got a large sum of money. They got paid off. And the fact that they would pay them off and the fact that they would take that pay, oh, and then they tell them, hey, we'll fix it. It'll be okay, right? And it says in verse 14, and if it comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until today. Wow. And we have a lot of theories today. You can read through them. There's the swoon theory. There's the twin. My favorite's the twin theory. Like Jesus had a twin that disappeared. And then after Jesus died, he appeared. All of those take a lot of faith to believe, right? I mean, when you get, you get to study them, tons of faith. Why not just believe the truth? Because we have it written for us. We have it recorded for us. And my Bible tells us there were over 500 witnesses to the resurrection. That's a lot of witnesses. You know, hey, I might, I might give in if it's like one witness or two witnesses. 500? 500 people coming and saying the same thing is a lot, right? So you have that going on. So now, let's kind of wrap this up because I think this is the important part. This part's more for believers than, than those who are not believers. This is for us. And, and listen to what Jesus does here. It says, verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into the mountains, which Jesus had appointed to them. And verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now listen, I don't think it was just the 11. I think this is that time where Paul talks about 500 being before him. I think there was a gathering on that mountain as Jesus is getting ready to ascend and he's giving them the great commission. But it says they worshiped him. All of them came and they worshiped him. So this tells me, this is after he appeared to the 10 and then he appeared to Thomas, the 11, right? And all of that has gone down. They've had those interactions. Now they're up in Galilee and they're worshiping him. And then it says this, Matthew Matthew puts this in there, but some doubted. What's Matthew talking about? I think he was there, right? He's part of the 11. I think Matthew was there. Is he sick? I don't think some doubted the resurrection, duh, right? He's like right in front of you. That's hard to doubt. I think they doubted everything that it meant and all that's going on. They were, they were like trying to process it. Like when you finally get a revelation of something, you're trying, what on earth does all of this mean for me and my life? So some of them are struggling at that time. I don't find that, listen, I don't find that something unusual. I think we all go through things like that. So they worshiped him and and some doubted. And then it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, uh, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, what's our mission? Right there. Listen, not to make converts, we're called to make disciples. That's more than just a convert. That's pouring into somebody. That's teaching that's doing it. That's our commission. And yet so many of us, we'll pick a church by, hey, is the worship good? Even this, is the Bible study good? But how about is the outreach good? 
How about are we trying to reach the lost? Are we trying, because that's our mission. Our gathering here, and today's a special day, but our normal gathering here is to equip us to go out to do the ministry that he's called us to do. Not to be entertained, not to be, you know, in the place where, oh, well, that was fun, that was good. We're here to be equipped to go out to share the gospel with the lost. That's what Jesus is going to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. So that's for us. Now as we wrap this up, let's think about this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, for your sin. And he rose again on the third day. His resurrection, again, I wanna repeat, wasn't just a miracle. I believe the main purpose of his resurrection was pretty simple. He wanted to continue the relationship that we have. The relationship Hey, it didn't end at the cross. That relationship's ongoing, and we can have a relationship with him because he rose from the dead. And so that's the purpose. If you believe that this morning, you're kind of full of joy. You're glad you're here. You came to church. You came to celebrate. If you didn't believe it, I'm hoping you believe it right now. I'm hoping God's touching your heart right now, moving in you, causing you to have an understanding. That must be real, or at least this. My prayer is at least this, at least you believe I believe it. And it's touching your heart and you want to get a hold of that. You wanna be part of that. We're gonna give you that opportunity here in a moment. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you for the challenge that we have. Here we look at your word and and Lord, (coughs) I know it's a story that a lot of us are familiar with. I know we've read it, many of us, dozens, maybe, maybe, you know, 30, 40, 50 times. But I thank you that it never gets old, and I thank you that it's not old news, but it's good news. And I do pray for all of us that even be, being able to come and celebrate this today, that it would be just a, a part of that renewing, a part of that encouragement in our lives. And Lord, that we can rejoice in the relationship that we have with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead and that you live to interact with us, to have that relationship with us. I thank you for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm gonna ask you to be seated for another just short bit of time. And I'm gonna ask everyone if we can kind of really kind of stay still, not move around a lot. To me, this is the most important part. And right now, I wanna give those who do not know Jesus an opportunity to change that today. If the things that I spoke to you spoke to your heart, if you came to the understanding this morning that you need salvation, that you need this relationship, I'm gonna ask you to do something a little more, a little more difficult. I'm gonna put you on the spot. I'm gonna ask you to come up here and stand with me. And we're gonna sing a song and you're gonna give an opportunity to come up and be here. And I wanna give you the opportunity to, 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 for you today to say yes to Jesus. That you know you need salvation. That you've come to the place you're convicted of your sin and you want your sin forgiven. So I'm gonna go down at the bottom. Come up, meet me. You're not gonna have to stand here by yourself. I'll stand here with you. And I know for some of us, we're thinking, 
I don't like to draw attention to myself. It's okay, I'll, I'll draw the attention away from you. It's okay, just come up here. Don't let the devil talk you out of this. This is a time where you can make a commitment, you can make a stand, and we wanna stand with you and we wanna give you the opportunity. So the worship team's gonna sing a song. I'm gonna be down here, you come up. When we're done with the song, you and I are gonna say a prayer. And the prayer's gonna be very simple. You're gonna tell Jesus that you know you're a sinner. You're gonna ask him to forgive your sins and you're gonna ask him to come into your life and take charge of your life and you will be changed forever. The Bible says you'll be born again. That's what this is all about. So don't listen. Don't listen even to your inner voice that's saying, don't go up there, don't go up there. If God is calling you, come and I'll stand with you. Long before my 
You guys want to repeat this prayer after me, okay? Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. And today I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And I want you to come into my heart and change me. Come into my life and guide me. Today I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God.